When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everybody. Welcome to Who Cares About the Rock Hall, a podcast about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Joe Quazala, and I know too much about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That is just the way it goes. That is the premise of the show, you might say. Uh, but the second half of the premise is that my co-host is a little more skeptical of the institution, and she exists as the voice of the people, as the, the surrogate for you at home, it's Kristen Stuttered. Hi, Kristen. Hello. Wow. A surrogate. Who knew? <laughs> Did you ever think that would be Mm-mm, how I would describe not. you? No. In any context? Nope. Oh, no, thanks. <laughs> and I, I reject it in, as well. Late, well, wow. A surrogate rejecting. You don't want that happening. Uh, no, stop it. Please <laughs> cut this. Uh, off to a banner start. Just so it's a, it's an exciting time for our show and we're, we're we kind of exist a little bit in stasis perhaps we are post induction ceremony pre nomination announcement and we're having we're having a little bit of a fun a spot of fun hmm. and the fun continues this week and so why don't we bring in the source of the fun hmm. a, re- a return oh, wow. i don't know if i've ever been called the source of the fun but okay cool sure. and i guess we'll have a verdict at the end of the show to see if that was uh, ultimately correct <laughs> no pressure <laughs> a return guest but here for the first time for a full episode we talked to him for the first time when we were uh, surveying rock hall voters right. he is the host of slate's hit parade podcast welcome back to the show chris melanfi hi chris hey hey how are you guys doing very good excited to have you back on for a full meaty discussion meaty episode that we are recording the day before thanksgiving so it comes with gravy and all the (laughs) trimmings. oh yes and it will it will drop the night of thanksgiving so i I think it will be appropriate given the meat content of this episode so so if we put people to sleep it's either us or the trip to fan yeah right it cannot squarely be on our shoulders well chris we haven't talked to you since you filled out your ballot right love to just check in on how you felt about the proceedings both how the class turned out and the ceremony itself. You know, I was pretty pleased with both, I would say. You guys have been talking in the show about how it's sad that the bar is this low, but the fact that it was as diverse, and I'm putting that in scare quotes as it was, Mm -hmm. uh, was, you know, nice. Half of the inductees this year were living women. You you have to include the qualifier living. With the hall, you absolutely do, yeah. And I thought the Go-Go's induction in particular was exuberant, both Drew Barrymore's uh, induction speech and their performance. LL Cool J rocked it. Absolutely. As you guys predicted, they treated LL as if he was just a normal inductee and not being ushered in the side door as he actually Mm -hmm. was. Not even a hint, really, of of any... not even a hint. No, so you could just do it. It's uh, that's Now it's clear as day and they they almost phoned in Todd Rundgren more than uh who was an actual inductee mm-hmm. through the front mm-hmm. door 
in terms of my ballot, as I revealed to you guys when I talked to you, I voted for all women this year, which means I too dissed LL, which I felt bad about because <laughs> I have I have voted for him in the past, but I just had a bee in my bonnet that I wanted to vote for all women this year. And it was such a and you had the opportunity if you could believe it. Right, yeah. not always the case. There was even a bit of a Sophie's choice between you will recall between for me, between Tina Turner and Carol King. And I ended up not voting for Tina because I just knew she was a shoe-in. Mm -hmm. And I figure Carol was probably also a shoe-in, but you never know. And I just thought she might need my vote a tiny bit more. We had talked to you at, at the very end of our survey, and it was clear to us, even from our kind of informal poll, that Carol could use the, the push more the than, than Tina, but they were both probably very close towards the top. Exactly. Even though this is a trivia point I like to bring up about Carol King. Carol King released two albums in 1971, two. And yeah. everybody knows what one of them is, but nobody remembers the second one, which was music. And if I asked you which was the one that had the biggest sales week, I'll just spoil the trivia answer right now. The answer <laughs> is music, right? Uh, which reportedly sold a Taylor Swift-like million copies in its first week, quite possibly its first day. This is in the era before sound scan. So nobody has like actual accurate data. They're, they're believing industry scuttlebutt, but like, mm -hmm. you know, in classic fashion, everybody right before Christmas, 1971 piled into record stores to buy whatever Carol King was putting out after tapestry. So as much as that induction was all about tapestry, you know, she did have a banger of a follow-up album that had a top 10 hit sweet seasons on it. And mm -hmm. You know, she really was kind of like that year's Taylor Swift in terms of like the sales number she was rolling. So, well, and, you know, she rode Tapestry straight to music being number one. It sounds like that it was a lot to do with the absolute success of Tapestry that pushed music up. Oh, yeah. In that way. Chris, I believe yeah. you refer to that as the ACDC rule. I'm so touched that you guys listen so closely <laughs> to my show. That is exactly what I call it. Yes, it is the rule that states that the release of an album is a referendum on the previous album, not that album itself. And so people were buying music in droves on the strength of Tapestry. Mm. It's named the ACDC rule because ACDC's first number one album was not Back in Black. It was For Those About to Rock, We Salute You, the album after Back in Black. So even though Back in Black has outsold for those about to rock, we salute you by about six to one. And that's a great that's a great episode of your show. Thank recommend you. everybody everybody listen to that. There's a lot of instances of that rule that will make you go, huh? Well, all right, right. Like you ask people, like, what's Jackson Brown's only number one album, and they'll go Running on Empty, right? It's like, nope, the one after Running on Empty. Uh -huh. Or you know, what's Billy Joel's first number one album? The Stranger, right? Nope, the one after The Stranger. That's just kind of how the yeah, charts work. How it sometimes uh, works out. Now, Chris, now. We're, we're talking about your podcasts, but now here we are at our podcast. But, <laughs> yes. but today's theme was one pitched by you. It was indeed. And it was pitched by me right after I listened to your last episode, uh -huh. which I loved, by the way. Thank you. And you know, I'm going to apologize to Kristen in advance because, you know, it's it's two against one. You've got two deep hall nerds. Yeah, I can feel it. <laughs> that, you're, that you're contending with on this show. Anyway, I loved how you guys were going through and ranking snubs. And as you were ranking the snubs, I said to myself, okay, but who's responsible for these snubs? Because this is sort of an obsession of mine the difference between the nominating committee mm -hmm. and the voters. Mm. And it's really kind of shocking how little people pay attention to this, that they get angry at the institution in this kind of amorphous way when sometimes it's the nominating committee's fault and sometimes 
it's the voters' fault. Like the fact that she never got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is not the nominating committee's fault. They tried yeah. 11 times mm-hmm. to put them on the ballot, whereas the voters just kept ignoring and ignoring and ignoring. Or LL Cool J, the reason exactly. we had to get him in the side door is because he was on the ballot, I think, six times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it is what will be the case for probably Shaka Khan. Yes, Shaka Khan's another great example between the Rufus nominations and the solo nominations, which mm-hmm. you have to six now, I think. It's funny, the public at large will still... You know, the target goes to Jan Winner, who's right. not, who's, you know, not, not the chairman of the board anymore, has not been on the nominating committee for a long time. You know, and it comes from every angle. If it's heavy metal fans, it's like, well, why isn't Judas Priest or, or Iron Maiden or Motorhead, even though we've seen every single one of those on a ballot. So from within the mechanism of the hall, there's an attempt, but you have to get mad then at the voting body. And why don't we, as we ease into this, remind people right. who is in the nominating committee and who is in the voting body. The nominating committee is made up of- I'm A secret cabal of <laughs> hoagie-eating New chamber. York elites. But what's funny is, you know, it, it is, it's secret in the sense of what happens within the room and who advocates for whom right. and the activity within the room, but- it's kind of public knowledge who is in the room year to year. Maybe yeah, say all you for- have to do is get your hands on a copy of the physical program that was printed and given out at the ceremony. Um, and if you if you're missing one, you just go to the archive at the museum in Cleveland. That's that's all you have to do. Right. But it's the not, thing is, I mean, not you, that you, mysterious. Yeah. You 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 Josh, but we know that. Future Rock Legends in particular is doing that and then putting it online where it is very accessible to find out. Yeah. And it's a mix of musicians, songwriters, a lot of critics. And, you know, I want to say off the top, caveat emptor to anyone who's listening to this show and why I pitched it, because I am a critic myself. I know a few people on that committee. You know, I'm friends with folks like Alan Light and Amy Linden. It figures that I would have sympathy for their plight and I would be angrier year after year at the voters. At the voters, even though, I yeah. am a, mm-hmm. even though I am a voter myself. But like, typically, my general rule of thumb is, let's say seven or eight times out of 10, if you're angry about somebody not being in the Rock Hall, it's probably the voters' fault mm-hmm. before it's the committee's fault. Yeah, so like you said, there is... You know, people like David Frick, who's like one of the most prominent Rolling Stone critics for a very long time. There's that connection to Rolling Stone that has existed for a long time. Alan Light, as you mentioned, also Rolling Stone. And then you get the musicians, which there's a few of those. Questlove and Tom Morello and Dave Grohl are like the most known examples. Linda Perry has also Lil been on Steven. for a few years now. Linda uh, yes. Perry is on? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, this is a relatively recent addition. And then you get maybe someone like Lenny Kay, who bridges those two worlds. You know, mm-hmm. someone who was in the Patti Smith group, but also has written extensively and is kind of a music historian himself. Then I'd say the third and final category is the industry people, the right. music executives. You know, John Sykes, who is now the chairman, was for a long time MTV. He is now iHeartRadio. You know, our friend Rick Krim was also MTV for a long time. Sandy Alouette was MTV and VH1. And you get people like Rob Light, who is a agent. And you get Cliff Bernstein, who I believe is a manager, which, you know, that's when you start to get into a little bit of like 
you have some skin in the game given that you represent people mm-hmm. or maybe you become a nominee yourself which you yeah. know or just maybe yeah or maybe you're not even a nominee maybe they just put you in as a side haven't like some of the managers so that John were, Landau in, in particular <laughs> is the person who has run the nominating committee for a very long time and he is most famously Bruce Springsteen's manager and he was inducted himself as a manager two years ago. After inducting every one of his clients. I know. Just really, right. really just feeding yourself all day long. Now we say this coming at it from a perspective of kind of defending the nominating committee, given the artists that they put forward are maybe more def- defensible than the artists that eventually are voted in. And now let's talk a little bit about the larger voting body. And when we say the larger voting body, of course, we're talking about the roughly 1,000 balloted voters, people who are mailed a ballot, versus the general public who, as we say so many times, as you say so many times on this show, they get to do the fan vote, but the fan vote is aggregated into one measly ballot and is thrown into the mix with everything else. So yes, it is a charade. It is Absolutely kind of a charade. useless. And we're finally starting to see just in the last couple of years with say Dave Matthews and Pat Benatar that mm-hmm. the, the long held theory that maybe the fan vote counted for more than people thought it did because like the number one vote getter in the fan vote for several years was getting ushered in mm-hmm. that no, it really doesn't mm-hmm. matter all that much. Yeah. Tell that to the Felicuti hive. Right. Mm-hmm. Bella didn't get in. Mm-hmm. Pat Benatar came in second her year and did not get in. Dave Matthews, I think, overwhelmingly came in number one their year and did oh, not yeah. get in. By a mile. And yeah, there was a strong correlation, even beyond just the number one vote getter, just like the majority of the top five would probably get in. But that is uh, that is not the case for better or worse in maybe recent examples better. But yeah, and I, the bulk of the voting body appears to be now we don't know who returns their ballots we know who technically gets one but anyone who is inducted gets a ballot so every member of the Foo Fighters now gets a ballot and also if you participate in a ceremony I don't think this is anywhere on the books or ever Mm. reported but I'm pretty sure you participate in a ceremony you now get a ballot what do you mean by participate? You induct someone, you perform. So Lord has a ballot. What? She I mean, sang I'm glad for Kurt Cobain at the Nirvana sure, induction. That's exactly. wild. I mean, that's fine, and why, that means that like Saint Vincent has one. And I Kim mean, Gordon that, and yeah, yeah. If you give a speech as well, I believe that is, and it's kind of funny to think of it as like a, it's in your swag bag. A ballot. <laughs> Which, by the way, means that at least two members of Duran Duran have a ballot. Yeah. Right? From, from what I'm led to believe. Again, this is all just what I have, I yeah, have heard. I but... mean, my question, like, then does Laura Nero's son have a ballot? How far does this go? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I would guess it's not. It doesn't extend to accepting on behalf of a family member. More like, have you been booked? You know, I think that's the probably the way to That's probably where they draw it. that line. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's a fascinating dynamic that I observed. The reason I'm a Rock Hall voter, I don't do this anymore, but for about four or five years in the early 2010s, I covered the Rock Hall every year for NPR music. And eventually my writing got the notice of them and they said, okay, smart guy, we're going to give you a ballot. Now you find out how hard it is to vote for only five every year. And they're right. It's hard. It it really is a killer choice year after year. But anyway, one thing I reported on all those years that I was covering the Rock Hall was 
the relationship between the nominating committee and their biases and the body of voters and their biases and the push and pull between them and how the the larger voting body, but again, we're still only talking about the thousand balloted voters, often mirrors the general public. Mm -hmm. So basically, if you withhold a populist act that the, let's call them snobs, and I'm insulting my own people here, you know, critics, et cetera, the snobs on the nominating committee who don't want to put Chicago, Journey, Rush, Kiss on the ballot. If you ignore them and ignore them and ignore them, and then eventually the nominating committee says, oh, what the hell, and puts them on the ballot, they will get in right away. Immediately. Oh, yeah. Immediately. That's the dynamic. So, like, you have a guy like Neil Diamond, for example, who was eligible for the Rock Hall for over a decade. The nominating committee finally says, yeah, what the hell, let's put Neil Diamond on the ballot. Neil Diamond gets in right away. Without a problem. Without a problem, like swoosh right in. Kiss got in right away. Maybe it was two tries for Kiss. I don't even remember. It was two tries for Kiss, and it felt like it bridged two phases for the hall. Because we look at this now and we think about like the, the populist band getting in immediately, but that was not always the case. The way that the voting body behaved took a turn at some point around maybe 2012 mm-hmm. or something. Because in 2011, yeah. you see Dr. John, Tom Waits, Darlene Love, the aforementioned Neil Diamond getting in over Bon Jovi, who was on the ballot. Which mm-hmm. if you had that same group of people on a ballot now, you wouldn't see that at all. Bon Jovi, as we saw in 2018, Bon Jovi waltzed in. Much to my chagrin. That is mm-hmm. like a <laughs> that is a like case study for how the preferences of the of the voting body have changed. Do you think that the Rock Hall was just like the predicator of the Trump era? <laughs> like, do we think that populism <laughs> fucked the elite? Maybe, maybe the hall was ahead of us all. Yeah, maybe we should really be looking at the hall to predict <laughs> our political patterns. I'll bet there are more Trump voters among the inducted than we think there are. Though. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to just to think about how this voting body, which we think of as something that is highly predictable, how it will and does change. It is just gradual. And so I guess we will just see, you know, there are artists that we believe cannot break through, but who knows how long it will take and what type of generational change will have to happen. I mean, there's also an element of and I'm going to use a dirty music critic word right now that ends up in all of these conversations eventually. There's a poptimism versus rockism tension going on here where as we move along, there is more of a poptimist streak, an idea that it's not crazy for Whitney Houston to get inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Right. Mm-hmm. Or conversely, it's not crazy for Journey. It's weird. The general public might think Journey would be a gimme, but to critics, it's Journey are kind of an over-my-dead-body prospect, particularly for, among boomer critics who still regard them as, quote, corporate rock. But the voting body is getting a little younger, is getting more populist and more poptimist mm-hmm. as it goes along. And that's why you're starting to see an act like a Whitney Houston getting, again, first time on the ballot, she's ushered right in. If she had been on the ballot five years earlier, I think she probably also could have gotten in 10 years earlier. I'm not so sure, to Joe's point. And, you know, it's this revision that immediately was applied to the white pop rock groups like Journey, like Bon Jovi. And I would like, I mean, if I'll get on my high horse again, I would (laughs) like to see it applied to groups like Cool and the Gang, like Commodores, 
who occupy a similar space in the Mm -hmm. sense of they're considered fun, maybe not the kind of challenging artistic statement. Maybe not considered like serious people's music. I hope that as we continue to go back, you know, and and we saw that a little bit with Dionne Warwick's nomination of, okay, she doesn't really exist in the rock and roll space as much as other inductees or nominees. But Mm -hmm. we go back and we, we say, okay, now that we're changing the criteria, even if it's not explicit, we need to figure out what gaps we have missed along the way. Exactly. And you even see it with what I call the Holy Trinity. Sometimes I call it the Holy Tetralogy of uh, British Mope Rock, uh, The Cure, Mm -hmm. Depeche Mode, and The Smiths, Mm -hmm. where they've each been on the ballot two to three times a piece, I think, at least twice a piece. And one by one, they're now getting inducted. You know, where The Cure, it, it took a couple of tries. Depeche Mode, it took a couple of tries. When I was a teenager, even a 20-something, if you had told me that Depeche Mode would get into the same institution that's inducting the likes of Chuck Berry and the Rolling Stones, I might have said that was crazy, even though I loved Depeche Mode at that age, you know, and, and still do. Because, you know, back then they were regarded as the antithesis of rock and roll, and now they're the bullseye of rock and roll to some mm-hmm. extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you had to see a shift in the voting body before it became obvious that, oh, of course, Depeche Mode should get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Of course, yeah, the, Nine Inch Nails should get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Those are really good examples because, the yeah, The Cure was nominated in 2012 and then was off the ballot. And you, when you see something like that, you think, oh, they must not have a shot if they're not showing back up the next year. And then it, Depeche Mode, it was, you know, 2017 and 2018. And before that, it was The Smiths, 2015 and 2016. So it felt like there was some attempt to address this genre and the voters weren't going for it. And when they appear in the ballot and then don't get in, it leads you to believe, I don't know that this is ever going to happen. But then when they right. start to, starting with 2019, with The Cure in 2020, with Depeche Mode, you're like, okay, we've passed that threshold. Something happened with the makeup of the voting body. Well, and of- I think kind of like the Roxy music signal, I think that that showed us what was possible, where the voters were at. Especially coming off of the few years prior, because that's coming off of the Bon Jovi, Moody Blues, Dire Straits, Cars year, which is so classic rock centric. It was dire. Absolutely. Oh, gosh. Bad moods. Um, I certainly felt blue. I'll just say that after watching it. But when when you see that, you feel like, oh, there's like no coming back from this. (laughs) Like it just, it feels like in such a direction and to the point before where all those people now have votes, it just feels like it will just compound. It's a snowball. Some might say it's a new wave. <laughs> I I, I don't know. So, some might some might say I I mean I I might be the first to have ever called it that. But well, it is funny that now the new wave is considered old enough. It's kind of like the way modern art is art now from about fifty to seventy years ago, and yeah, now it's considered establishment. New wave is now establishment. Yeah, I mean, and then to continue the holy trinity extension you guys have advocated i know several times for joy division slash new order which i consider mm-hmm. the fourth band of that yes sometimes trinity it just should be on the ballot and if i were going to try that i would try that now because if you've gotten the cure and depeche mode in new order and and joy division have got to be next i mean that doesn't seem like a, as much of a stretch now as it used to no, I don't think so, especially since they chronologically come before them, those two bands, and also 
let's wait for the Smiths to cool down a little bit. Yeah. Let's for the Morrissey stuff to just, you know. Like chill out and give yeah. it to 2025 or something. Yeah. And you know, now would be the perfect, I mean, if you're listening, Nomcom, this would be the year to pitch that. Like this would be a big year to get that because that's, it's never been on the ballot, right? Joy Division, no order. Joy Division, no order. And if you pair them together, as, mm-hmm. as everybody seems to think that you should, you even get punk cred. Because oh, yeah. Joy Division, for crying out loud, they were at uh, that what that Manchester gig the of um, the Sex Pistols in 1976 that spawned like a dozen bands. Like they go back that far in punk, and they've got synth pop credibility and punk credibility. So right. yeah. yeah, now is the time. Now's the time. So just if you're listening, you're trying to get your nomination together. You would look pretty cool in the room, and then I think that you know you get them on the ballot. It could be could be a big year for you, whoever you are listening to this. <laughs> we're not saying, we're just saying. Yeah. Right. There's a bunch of different ways to kind of categorize, further categorize these snubs. You know, we had an episode last week that talked generally, but as you get into it, you know, there are the artists who have been nominated already, and then there are the artists who have not. And then even as we get further into those two camps, I think you can continue to create subdivisions of where to categorize these artists. Uh, And as we talk about the artists that have been nominated before, and this is rudimentary, but I put together what I think are a few good categories. One, I mean, and now we have to think of it, especially after this year, we have to think about it in terms of different actual induction categories because i think there are artists who were nominated on the ballot before who now are better served being inducted in a side category with the expansion and reimagining with the reimagined side categories (laughs) right right of this decade it's almost like in the 2020 I yeah. can't believe I'm saying, <laughs> but no, it off. is, it's like, I mean, I think that we're, oh gosh, I really do sound like you just <laughs> ad- heading into this next decade. We've been speaking about, you know, what has come before and kind of the ideology and the vibe of the voters and the voting body. And it, there was a status quo that was happening. And I think we've, we're in a new era in this decade of like, we've expanded the side categories. We have kind of reimagined a lot of what is possible because it's been around for so long. It's like, we're in such a newer era. And when I think back to when we started this show and what we thought of as like the side categories, like musical excellence. And that is, it's so different now based on what we've seen just in this past two years, it's like completely now some snubs exactly don't even feel like snubs. It feels like, Oh, they, they shouldn't even put them on the ballot. They should just pop them right in, take them off our plate. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. let's just get them in there. And then now we have just like a lot more options, even with how we discuss it, because knowing that you could just put craft work in, you could just do it and there it's done. Exactly. And and speaking as a voter, I've, I've, I've now been a voter for something like six years and the year that Sister Rosetta Tharp was on the ballot, I voted for her, but I remember thinking like, 
this is going to sound crazy because I absolutely, she should have been in, in the eighties for crying out loud. Right. But I'm thinking, why am I giving up a vote for sister Rosetta Tharp when you guys should put her, can put her in early influence and get her in. And by the way, that's what they did. She didn't mm -hmm. get enough yeah. votes that year. So they just brought her in anyway under early yeah. influence. And a, a part of me was a little pissed off. Like I only get five votes for this thing. You mm -hmm. guys just like kind of wasted one of my votes. It's, I knew you were going to do this. You know? It's exactly what happened with LL this year. Every person who voted for LL this last year essentially wasted their vote like they were deprived right. of the opportunity to throw their fifth vote to someone that could have used it and Dionne warwick you know like yeah. who i voted for by the way that was yeah. that was a gimme for me it's bad form and it makes the voters not trust you when you do stuff like that yeah it's like what's the point yeah another year they nominated the jb's Yes. Who, yeah. In addition to backing up James Brown, also had an independent career as a standalone recording unit. So fine, they should be eligible as artists. But I, I remember I wasn't voting yet. I was still covering it as a reporter. But I remember thinking these guys are just going to get swooped in because even if they don't amass enough votes, it's like it's their sidemen. You, you can get them in anytime you want. There's a category they, for that. There's a category for that. And they didn't put them in. And I, frankly, I think they should just go back and put in the James. Had they, have, they still haven't been put in? No. The so Famous Flames are in among James Brown's famous, bands. Yeah, the Famous Flames are, you know, that was kind of the first James Brown backing band. And, you know, the JBs cover a different era. They were nominated once in 2016 and they are a perfect candidate for the musical excellence category. It is what that category is for. Similarly, I mean, there's maybe a stronger case for another group that has been on the ballot a few times that has also existed to some degree as a backing band. And I'm thinking of the meters. I was just going to suggest that and I couldn't agree with you more at this point. They've tried with the meters. What? Four times, three four times. times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like enough already. They are deserving. They do not need to be on the ballot again. They are a snub, but they should be considered for the musical excellence category, you know, in, in the traditional sense of the musical excellence category, not in the LL Cool J sense, which is a catch, a catch all for <laughs> yeah. wherever, just where to put someone you don't know how else to do it. Now, would you go so far as to say another long frustrated band that has been on the ballot multiple times, the spinners should go in under musical excellence? That's a good question. I've been thinking about the spinners because they have been on the ballot several times. And I wonder because the last time that the spinners were on the ballot it was 2016. So they've been about three times, 2012, 2015, 2016. Spinners were on a ballot with Steve Miller, Chicago, Deep Purple, mm. Cheap right. Trick. I what wonder. A, what a great year 2016 was, just in all every, the ways. Just every an absolute banger situation. of a year with regard to voting. Yep. When, I, when I think about the spinners, I'm curious if now they were on a ballot but mm. instead of being up against those groups from the 70s, they're now up against Eminem, Outkast. Interesting. You know, Mary J. Blige, Mariah Carey. Do they Carey. look more classic and do they get have an easier go of it? Do, do they get mm. the votes from the old timers who otherwise would have given their vote and did give their vote the other to times Chicago. around the ballot to, yeah, band, mm -hmm. rock bands from that era do they get kind of what I think happened with the zombies, which is that they were on the ballot a number of times, but by the time they finally got inducted, they really didn't have any other 60s competition in their right. lane on the ballot. So right. I wonder that about the spinners or, and because we don't know the vote tallies, are the spinners just doomed? 
Like, do they just not have the votes? They can't be so doomed that the nominating committee doesn't keep trying with them. They and the fact that they times. were the fact that they were on the ballot two consecutive years makes me think it was yeah it was not that dire if they mm-hmm. thought give them another shot the next year. Right. It's always a gamble that kind of old timer slot because you don't know what who they're gonna go for or what if there was not just the spinners though and then there was another like let's just say foreigner sneaks on or something onto the mm-hmm. ballot. It's right. like they're still getting past it. I'm just saying like if there is a whiter more rocking option from mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. an older wider yeah if that if that <laughs> is an option then those voters are going there they're not rallying know, around, right. rallying so around the spinners it, you know so much of it has to do with the makeup of the ballot and who is in competition with each other why don't we take a quick break and then when we come back we're, oh, we're gonna get oh, it's gonna get so nitty it's gonna get so gritty oh, uh, no. i hope i hope that doesn't deter <laughs> people from you're gonna be filled uh, with so back. much pity for me uh, <laughs> all right so So let's take a break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We hope you had a nice break. We hope over your break, you remembered one of your absolute favorite songs. (laughs) All right. So we were talking about the artists that have been nominated before kind of thinking about what categories you can put them into. Essentially what I have put it into is I think there are people who could be in these, who should be in these side categories instead of making the ballot again. I think there are artists that are just simply too obscure to ever get any traction on the Mm -hmm. ballot. And then I think there are artists that can, should, and will return. And then there's a very tiny, there's a very tiny side category, which is kind of miscellaneous slash redundant. There are a few artists that I don't think are going to return to the ballot. The redundancy specifically of Chic. I mean, they put in Nile Rogers. I mm-hmm. don't tried, think. Yeah, they tried 11 times. I don't think it's a crime that Chic are not in. Chic deserved to be in so, so richly for so many reasons. And yet, yeah, they're done. They're not going to put it back. On I the don't ballot. see I them agree. being like, well, we did Nile Rogers. Let's do Chic, which would be cool. But like, I get why from uh, for a lot of reasons, you just would not do that. Not least the fact that Tony Thompson and Bernard Edwards are both dead. So Right. Mm-hmm. And we've seen with the ceremony now that the posthumous inductees are really, you know. Phoned in. They are put in their own short section. And then another kind of weird one that I think is redundant, although I think the artist could return. It's a very strange one because it's a very famous person, but nominated in 2003, Steve Winwood. Interesting. Which Steve Winwood. The reason I think Steve Winwood is redundant because he didn't get in that year, and then the next year he was inducted with traffic. Traffic, yeah. And so I don't know if they would. I don't see him pulling out a double inductee for my guy Steve. I don't see that happening. Yeah, I think there are artists, you know, I, and I think of like I don't think they're gonna nominate Don Henley. You know, he's in with the Eagles. That's kind of enough yeah i got one more for you i've got one more for you didn't they one year in the early 10s mid 10s nominate sting years after the police got in yes in 2015 they and i'm i'm surprised that sting did not get in he's like i was shocked he didn't get in i thought that was a gimme even though i would not have voted for him it's like a stevie nicks which makes me think if he returned Mm -hmm. to the ballot he would get in on the strength of his name alone but it was like we, yeah, we hadn't quite turned the tide yet, I guess, of the voting body. Maybe that's my Maybe. prediction guess, but I, I really Who don't. Who got know. in that year? That was Joan Jett, Green Day. Uh, weirdly, Paul Butterfield Blues Band somehow did better than, wow. than Sting. 
Um, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Lou Reed. That was a good year. Yeah. It It was a good year. Yeah. Interesting though. Yeah. That Sting didn't get in on name. You know, it's just wild to me. Yeah. The people that are considered for the double entry club. I think the only double inductions from now on should be women. And that's that. Let's briefly touch on the artists that I think should be in the early influence category or will, even if they shouldn't be, they likely will end up there if they ever return. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still some artists that were nominated in the very first year who are not in. And those are Johnny Ace, Benny mm-hmm. King and Chuck Willis. And Chuck Willis has the most nominations out of all of them. He has six nominations, was nominated as recently as 2011. They gave him a nomination for the first five years from 86 to 90. And it was off the ballot for 21 years and then, you know, returned in, in, in 2011. Those are all, I think, great candidates for early influence. And then, you know, there's also people like Esther Phillips, Mary Wells, who were nominated in the second year. Billy Warden as Dominoes were nominated in 97. And then we even have some artists that were nominated more recently who still, I think, you know, I'm thinking of Link Ray, who got a nomination mm-hmm. in, Link Ray. in 2018. Yeah. They did a thing that we don't talk about anymore, I guess, the uh, singles category. They gave aye, him a singles aye, aye. induction, but, you know, that category is dead officially. So well, when we uh, do talk about it, we talk about it in an imitation little Steven voice. But yeah, <laughs> yes, I do. cannot imagine what um, that would be like. And then there's also the Chantels and the Marvelettes who both have received two nominations apiece. At this point, I don't see the point in putting them on the ballot. Let's just start to get some of those artists, especially looking at this list. A lot of them are women. It would be nice to to include them in these uh, in the early influence category. Just go through the first five year nominees and pluck out five every year and just scoot them on in. Why not? Right. And there's really not, there's not that many left of of the people who've been nominated, but not inducted from those, those first years. Plus another factor here. And this is like my obsession is again, what I call nominating committee bias versus voter bias, right? Clearly all of those didn't get in because of voter bias. At this point, you now almost have a nominating committee problem with some of them because one of the accusations that's been leveled more recently at the nominating committee level is that in an effort to get it a little younger and a little more HBO friendly, they removed a few years ago some of the more deep historians who you know would have more of an affinity for say a Link Ray. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point, if you're going to get those people in at all, I think you kind of have to get them in on a side category because maybe Questlove is advocating for those folks. Maybe Dave Grohl is advocating for those folks. But I think if you're going to get them in yeah. at all, you have to kind of usher them in. I don't think there's any other option. And I think that's fine at this point because you can also make the argument like, okay, the old timers had a long time to get them on the ballot and get them in. If it didn't work, you step in. A lot of these names that I mentioned already could have been inducted early influence even before we reimagined it. We saw Freddie King and Wanda Jackson inducted as early influences, even though their eras are the rock and roll era. Right. Uh, so as as long as there's like black and white footage uh, of <laughs> artists, it's like, they, yeah, they can be in the early influence category. And then if we think outside the ballot i think outside of who's been nominated before the names that that should come up when we talk about early influence big mama thornton memphis mini dick dale leslie gore tommy james and the shondells shangri-la's 
you know, and like those last two could have been on the ballot at one point. But I think now we're looking at if you feel like you want to honor the Shangri-Las, which I think you should, it's going to have to be in early influence. And yes, they were influencing and they were doing it early. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and now more than what, 55 years ago. So that's now. early. Yeah. Yeah. That's double your, what's the word qualification time, doubly eligible. And then, so let's, let's talk a little bit about the artists that are obscure, even though they've been on the ballot before. Cause I think that some of those artists as well will have to find some other way into the hall. Like MC5 has been on the ballot five times. Mm. Yes. I don't think it's happening for them in the traditional way, in the traditional process. I personally have had at least two opportunities to vote for the MC5, and I'll confess I have not. And that's probably generational. I mean, I was born in the early 70s, and I appreciate, I own Kick Out the Jams, and I appreciate that they were seminal, but like, Every year that I had the ballot, I had other priorities on that ballot, and then I didn't throw a vote their way. Do they deserve to be in? Yes, absolutely, they deserve to be in. That's kind of a no-brainer. So I would not have a problem if they come up with a way to finagle early influence for them. Because you have punk early influence, you know? They are a punk early influence. By that estimation, the New York Dolls could get in as an early influence, right? It's true, yeah. And I, I'm curious Ooh, if there is- I mean- some sort of threshold of you have to give them a number of tries on the ballot. We talked to a lot of people who voted for the New York Dolls uh, last year, and I, I could have seen them sneaking in. And I wonder, at this because it's, it's funny, it, it makes you ask the question, like, what's the point of putting someone on the ballot again if you can induct them another way? Right. Because there's some honor in it? I don't think so. I think we're not ready for the New York Dolls to get in in a side category. I don't think that there were any of the voters that we talked to who were like pretty avid New York Dolls fans who would be like, oh man, they should have put Gil Scott Heron on the ballot. I think that it's almost like people want an opportunity for them to get in, to almost show like, hey, look, they still matter or something, you know, I think that there is that feeling among especially the music critics from music inside music industry insiders who were there in the late 70s. I just don't think they're ready to acknowledge that that might be not It's like a lost cause. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's a good point. If they're going to try to nominate the Smiths again, they should probably get the New York Dolls in because uh, Morrissey has stated very publicly that uh, he thinks the Rock Hall has no credibility unless it puts in the New York Dolls. He's a big fan. So. And this is once again why we should be nominating Joy Division and <laughs> New And order. avoiding that whole issue altogether. Uh, exactly. just, just as a little pitch for you, whoever you Smiths are out there while. listening, just I know we did in our last episode say that they were one of our very biggest snubs across the board. And yet, and I don't even know, we, we spent way less time on New Order and Joy Division, but I'm thinking about it strategically. I'm thinking about it politically. I'll say it. And yeah, I agreed. think you're in a better spot. Pick the fourth. What was the, the holy tet- tetralogy? tetralogy. <laughs> yeah. The, the fourth in the, in the Trinity. Yeah, yeah exactly. And well, let's talk about some of these artists who've been nominated a number of times. Joe Tex has been nominated five times. Five? Is it really five? Holy cow. Somebody wants him in bad. I know. I, I, it's not happening. I just don't think it's happening. He does yeah. not have the name recognition. And so he he seems like someone, you know, and I think about groups like Eric B and Rakim having a hard time on the ballot, mm-hmm. even though anyone who knows their hip hop history knows that they are vital. 
so important. And now, and then there's uh, the other hip hop nominee. Cause really at this point, the hip hop nominees that haven't gotten in, it is just Eric B and Rakim and Africa Bambata. And Bambata was on the ballot. Bambata was on the ballot. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's, what, that's, that's what I mean. Those are the two who've been on the ballot who have not been inducted. And Dela weirdly still has not been on the ballot. No. Which and is which wild. Kind of I think they could go in. I just believe. <laughs> I don't know. I think they could go in. I, I think eventually they'll yeah. go in through the front door. And I think everyone. <laughs> yeah. Dela. <I'm laughs> I think putting, it could happen. I'm putting them into my category, which we will get to, which is uh, wishful. <laughs> You know, should be probably, but would be at this point a difficult road. Well, just thinking about like rap and hip hop, I'm like, yeah, like who do I think? I mean, I think Wu Tang could get in through the front door. I think Tribe is maybe closer. All of these are closer than than Dela, but yeah, we'll get to that a, a little bit more in depth. But the artists that I'm putting into been on the been on the ballot, but are too obscure. Sir Douglas Quintet, which I think is the craziest oh, yeah. artist that's ever been on the ballot. I'm throwing Procol Harum in there. Haven't Procol Harum been nominated more than once? or Just, just once, once, and that is apparently a little Stephen Pett project. Sounds like a little Stephen Pett project. Mm. I think you throw Bad Brains in there. Bad Brains was going to be my suggestion. Yeah, that was a that was a good what the fuck pick. I, 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 love, I, endorse, yeah, yeah, I love seeing a what a, the fuck that's pick. That's a Tom Morello <laughs> I think that's, that's a, a role. I think that's oh, a role because oh, of DC. Role. Yes, yes, yes. Because he came up in the DC punk scene that, that like totally. fully tracks for me. And then I would say like artists like Conway Twitty or Graham Parsons or John Prine all occupy a similar space to me, which is, you know, their genre is a little Traveling. more. Yeah, they're straddling the genres, you know, they're maybe a little more country. I know the Conway Twitty argument is that kind of before he was adopted by the country genre, you know, he was around and doing kind of straightforward rock and roll, not unlike a, a Ricky Nelson or a Elvis. But those guys, and I just, I don't know what will become of them or what you do with them exactly. And then there's also, I mean, underground artists have a difficult time. I'm thinking of the replacements who've been on the ballot once. And I think about, there was a quote, I think it kind of speaks to the issues that the replacements have in the rock hall, which is they were proclaimed to be the best band of the eighties by, I think it was musician magazine. Mm -hmm. And someone had an issue with this and wrote into the magazine to say, how can this band be the best band of the 80s when I've never even heard of them? And the person who wrote that letter was John Bon Jovi. <laughs> One more reason I love John Bon Jovi. Wow. <laughs> what a bastard. And, and, you know, John Bon Jovi and his bandmates, voters in the Rock Hall. And so, I think that kind of speaks to the, the disconnect. Here well, it's a little, it's a little like the David Lee Roth quote about Elvis Costello, except Elvis Costello got in right away. So Elvis he did. Costello didn't have that problem. But yeah. What did David Lee Roth say about Elvis Costello? Something nice glasses nerd. Uh, yeah, like... pretty much. Pretty much. Like you critics know, Roth, like him. The, because the critics like him because they, they look like him. That's right. the exact. Oh, wow. I yeah. was not far off. Okay, then. Yeah. yeah. And then the other artists, I mean, Fela Kuti, great, but is doesn't have the name recognition to get in. And then artists like I think Steppenwolf is an it was a was a weird one to make the ballot. And I think the issue there is that they are I think the definition 
of what Kristen says when she says scraping out the 60s, like sweeping out the 60s, like totally. Steppenwolf by no estimation is one of the great bands of the 60s. Sure, they had some they good songs. They have a couple songs. of great hits. Yeah. yeah, but beyond that. And then War is a band that had had oh, its yeah. had its heyday and has been on the ballot three times, had a huge album with The World is a Ghetto. But I think now, if I had to guess what the holdup is, it's just they're, they're usually not part of the conversation. Right. When you so talk about do, like the great so artists. So do you think that War is the kind of band that gets in on, I don't know what you do with them, musical excellence? They're, they weren't real. I mean, they were sidemen to Eric Burden on Spill the Wine. There's in that. a sense, in a sense, you know, Eric Burden declares war was the first outing. You know, it was Eric, and he, Eric Burden would, I think, be included with war if they were inducted. But yeah, but it's Eric all Burden's these. already in, right? He I is mean, with the animals. Yeah. With the animals. Yeah. So. So I, I just don't know what it's in Los Lobos and these artists that I see. They just, it, it's yeah, a hard these are, path for them. Yeah, these guys are getting swept under the rug. They're not getting swept out with the 60s. They're getting swept under the rug. It's a little bit like when you see a movie trailer and uh, they list all the Academy Award winners and there's a, a couple of Academy Award nominees and you sort of know this person is always going to bank on the fact that they were an Academy Award nominee, but they're probably never going to be a winner. Mm-hmm. Like. Los Lobos, I love them. I, I love several of their albums. I think they're awesome. They may, you know, go to their graves as a Rock Hall nominee. They will, absolutely. And I say this as someone who also very much likes Los Lobos. They're, I mean, they Kiko are not getting albums in. Of the 90s, Kiko right? is literally, an, a, it is an, it's a masterpiece. It's very, very good. I highly recommend everyone listen to it from cover right. to cover. I, they're just, they're not, it's not happening. For yeah. Them. And that's, so that's what no this way. kind of, this bin of artists is like, I think they're neat. If they are going to get in, there needs to, there has to be some other way. It has to be a huge shift in the way the voting body operates or you, you put them in, in some other category. And kind of my last artist of this grouping, they don't exactly fit, but they've been on the ballot five times so something isn't clicking. And I think it might just be that they are not a top tier group and people will be mad when I say this, but I'm talking about the Jay Giles band. <laughs> I, I was waiting when we were going to talk about that. Yeah. I mean, they are, okay, as you know, I am a believer in what you said earlier about Jan Wenner, that everybody wants to lay everything at the feet of Jan Wenner and Jan Wenner is actually not as influential on the nominating committee as he used to be. However, I know that Jan Wenner is an advocate for the Jay mm-hmm. Kyle's band. And I firmly believe that at least the first couple of times they wound up on the ballot, that was all Jan's doing. Mm-hmm. I think it's Jan and, and, and little Steven. Little Steven is like basically Jan's advocate on the nominating committee in favor of the Jay Kyle's band. Yeah. There's a disconnect there because like they had one massive period of hit making, you know, around freeze frame and centerfold mm-hmm. and a couple other stray hits and yet their reputation is all about being a live act. You know, they are consummate, you know, white boogie slash R&B players. I don't doubt all that. I actually saw uh, the Jay Giles band or really Peter Wolf, but it was kind of like he was doing Jay Giles band stuff, open up for Tom Petty one time. And I was like, okay, I get it now. The, the guy can, they, these guys can play, but yeah, I don't, I don't know how they're getting in because they've tried yeah, so many times. That's not happening. It's not the live rock and roll hall of fame or like what? yeah it really does have to come down to the records yeah I, when we see who gets in and and why and so now let's go into artists that I, I think and we can all agree are likely to return and i'll start with the artists who have had one 
nomination. I would actually, I would throw Sting on here just because I, I don't know. He was just, he was too big. I could just see it happening, but Jane's Addiction, Eurythmics, Dave Matthews Band, Motorhead, Pat Benatar, Soundgarden, Thin Lizzy, Deanne Warwick, Iron Maiden, and Mary J. Blige. They're all coming back. I think they're all going to come back. Some of them, it might take a much longer time to get in. Uh, you know, I think we are, I, I'm on the record as I think Benatar is getting in next year and it only take her second shot. Yeah. You know, hit me with your second shot. Um, as, as the famous saying goes. <laughs> Absolutely. But then also like Thin Lizzy, I think is, is probably going to, it might take some time and then they might have to finesse a category if it gets to that point. I don't know, but yeah. that would be my guess on, on where they would fall. The kind of spectrum of likelihood to not likely. Benatar, can I confess? And I may piss off one or both of you when I say this, I am part of the guilty cabal of people who sabotaged Benatar because I absolutely think she deserves to be in. I did not vote for her because I looked at that fan ballot thinking it was a proxy for sort of the meat and potatoes voter. And she was second. I was a fool and I did not <laughs> vote for her. Wow. Thinking she's in, she doesn't need my vote. And I had wow. other priorities. He's like, I and... don't care if Kristen quits the show. Who cares? <laughs> I did, not, I did not vote for Benatar. Didn't take thinking... me seriously. And that's probably for the best. No, and I, I've learned the hard way. I, and yeah. I've done this on more than one act. Like, for example, I never voted for Radiohead, despite the fact that I firmly believe Radiohead deserved to be in. As and when they would, didn't yeah. get in the first time, I was a little shocked and I'm like, shoot, should I be voting for them? And then the second time they were on, I still didn't vote for them because I had other priorities and they got in anyway. Walked right in, yeah. They walked right in and it's it hard only to took tell. two tries. Yeah, it's hard to tell sometimes. So, but I do, I think you're not alone. But I will say if she comes back, I'm not taking anything for granted. She's yeah. taking any chances. Vote. Yeah. And then the next, uh, I, I'll, these are artists that have had two nominations that I expect to be back. New York Dolls, Smiths, Judas Priest, Kate Bush, and Devo. And then as we get to... Three nominations. I do expect to see the spinners to come back and then Shaka Khan solo. But then if we incorporate Rufus, that takes it up to seven nominations for Shaka and or Rufus. Shaka's getting in on the Nile Rodgers rule at this point, isn't she? Yeah, like, but I do. I think her as a side woman, which is frankly unfair. But I think she's going to be on the ballot, though. I think they're going to do an LL where she's on the ballot. People rally around her and then they induct her side anyway. I think you're probably right. Yeah. And Which then, is also, by the way, what happened with Nile Rogers, that final year that Nile got swept in, he was on the ballot. ballot for the 11th time. See, yeah. uh, okay, well, just don't do that. I, you know, just... I weirdly, of all the long, of all the many, like the artists that have had multiple nominations where it gets bleaker and bleaker, for whatever reason, I do hold out hope for Shaka the traditional way, just because I feel like she has had to compete with people in a similar lane nearly every time she's been on the ballot. And I just feel like the lane, if, if the lane is cleared, I don't know, it could be happened. But the thing, the same thing is, do you want to clear the lane and then have no one in the lane go through? And then that's, right. that's not a good look. So no, I, don't, I really I, don't know. I know Kristen will agree with me when I say they should be doing more ballots that are half or more women. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. a big reason why I did my all women ballot this year and did not vote for LL much to my chagrin was because I'm like, I've been waiting for a ballot where I can vote for five women. I'm voting for five women. It was a pretty big and important thing. And you know how I feel. Just don't give them any bad options. And then we'll have all good classes. How, how about Interesting that? Interesting idea. Uh, <laughs> and then my the last artist I have who I, has been on the ballot and is definitely returning is Rage Against the Machine. Oh yeah, That's, big time. Yeah. They're fucking going in and I in. can't wait. It's going to be very It'll fun be cool. to watch them get in. It'll be great. I'm excited about I, I, I like like Rage Against the Machine. That's not like my kind of music necessarily. I don't necessarily run back to that well frequently, but 
it absolutely rocks and I would love to see them perform. I just think it would be very, very exciting and fun. Also, yeah. if I may echo something you guys said last week with the, the bigger group, if it means that we get one rap rock act in and then you can kind of check that box, like fine by me. We don't have to try it with Link Biscuit. Oh uh-huh. my God. Uh-huh. Poor Rage. What have they wrought? I know, but we don't we don't hold it against them. We don't. I, I mean, we can't. I, we can't. I'll bet, I'll bet they'll try with Linkin Park, by the way. I think no, they will try God, with Linkin Park. I bet they will I'm too, very skeptical, but we'll have to I'm see when- I'm skeptical about them getting in, no. but I think they might try. When that comes around- We'll have to mm-hmm. see. All right, so now now let's get to the artists that have never been on a ballot. And I'm, I'm putting these artists into three categories. The three W's. Will they waltz right in? Is it wishful <laughs> thinking? Or they would. They would. So it's would, waltz, or wishful. These are, oh, I like this. These are great. I think the <laughs> waltz- Hey, this is better than what he named the months. So I know. I'm like Wrong. truly- I, Incorrect. The months were great. I truly like this. Our show is at its best when it is bothering Kristen deeply. Yeah. Um, I believe the, that. I actually kind of half agree with you there, but go on. <laughs> so I'm curious, before I tell you, I think the waltz category is really interesting. It's like, what are the artists that have never been on a ballot, but if they made the ballot, they would waltz right in? This is the thing, the category I'm fascinated by. This is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about Neil Diamond, Journey, Rush, Chicago. Mm-hmm. Like, just put them on the ballot once and they will waltz right in. And by the way, several of the ones I ticked off there, I was pretty happy for Neil Diamond, but I didn't need Journey in. I didn't need Chicago and I don't hate them. I just don't think they're a yeah, priority. I'm like, yeah, oh, no. man, you put them on once and bada boom, they're in. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. So oh, yeah, no. waltz is an interesting category for me. Yeah, who do you guys think is on the waltz list? I can't tell. All right, here's the mystery for me. I can't tell if Duran Duran are a waltz or a wood. I put them in waltz. Their influence is undeniable. And I point to them, I have I put this in several of my articles, I point to Duran Duran as exhibit A, where the pernicious bias of the nominating committee is the problem, mm-hmm. not the voters. Yeah. I think there are plenty of voters who would vote for Duran Duran at this point, but the nominating committee, Little Steven has openly dissed Duran Duran in like things he's written. As far as he's concerned, they're like the reason music started to suck at at a certain point. All right. He's like, I wear scarves good. They wear scarves bad. (laughs) Pretty much. I I have a feeling they're a waltz, but I I hope I'm not wrong about that. I just feel like that's happening very, very soon. And is George Michael a waltz, for example? Like now that we've gotten Whitney Houston in, that's a weird way for me to frame George Michael, but he's a vocalist. He did write. Mm He, so yeah. that, he's different from Whitney in that regard. But we're talking about the icons of the 80s, like the pop icons of the 80s, for sure. You know, yeah. George. Do you have him as a waltz? I do. Uh, is Mariah a waltz? I think Mariah's a waltz. I think Mariah's um, a waltz, too. And I'm not even as big a fan of Mariah as I am of Whitney Houston. I voted for her immediately when she was on the ballot. And I would have to think hard about whether I would vote for Mariah. It would depend on who else was on that ballot, because I'm not as big a fan, but... And that's the thing about the waltzes is like, it really, it comes down to competition because what I have here, I could put a whole ballot together of alleged waltzes, but if they were all on the ballot together, many of them would not waltz. Mm -hmm. Right. They would cancel each other out. Um, An act that I just did a hit parade episode about Cindy Lauper. I think there's a chance Cindy Lauper is, is she a wood or a waltz? She's a wood. I put her to wood. Yeah. I think she's just on the outside looking in. I do think, though, weirdly enough, uh, 
okay, am I going to, do I believe this? Am I going to, will this audio come back to bite me? I just am thinking about kind of the state of feminism in our country. (laughs) As I do often, I think for a while we were really in kind of like a, wow, I really am going here. Okay. I think like during the (laughs) Hillary years, we were uh, really in this kind of like faux girl power, girl boss, feminism, Yas Queen kind of thing happening. And I think that since that failed so horribly, we've had this like backlash against that type of feminism. And I just wonder if maybe she, because she's so closely linked to the song, Girls Just Want to Have Fun. And she is, dare I say, a feminist icon. uh, She's talking about you know, female masturbation, like she is like an exciting and interesting person. I'm just like, where are we culturally? I think it will depend on where we are culturally, whether she's a Wood or a Waltz. And I I think we're we're like ramping back into kind of more, I don't know, female autonomy rather than just girl power stuff, I think is hopefully going to be this next 10 years. We're going to be less about the gender dichotomy and more about personal uh, autonomy as we get further and further away from like the backlash to the girl power movement and to like, you know, fourth wave feminism, I think we're going to be more ready for a Cindy Lauper. And I think that if she gets nominated at a time when it's just kind of like retro, her type of girl power, I think then that she could do really great. But I do think if we're still in this weird, stupid culture war, which we are still in, I, I don't know if she, if they're ready to embrace that. And that's my take. <laughs> I enjoyed your TED talk. Greatly. Oh, and, I agree, and, and by the way, I agree with a lot of it. I, I, I think I agree with all of it. I will say that if somebody figures out a way to get Cindy her Oscar, so she completes her EGOT because she's got the other three, mm. I think then it's kind of like a slam dunk. Then yeah, she becomes a right. waltz. It's like, then the rock hall is going to be shamed into not Exactly. Yeah, maybe she could narrate a documentary about herself or something. I don't right. know. It's like right. the thing. Do they that, give Oscars for that? I don't know that they do. For like, well, all right, waltzes. Should I start just saying yeah, what the waltzes are? Off. I was know. trying to guess right. some waltzes off the top of my head, but go. I think the B fifty twos are a waltz. You do? Oh, I, I hope so. I I just can't even give my heart to that. Like I want it so bad that I once again I worry about them with their just you know they're so queer and they have a novelty song and. You know, all of that stuff, like a waltz. I don't know. They have art rock cred, but then huge pop single cred. Everybody knows them. People know their silhouettes. You know what I mean? They are so iconic and the name recognition is so high. In addition to the fact that they have albums that stand up there with the best albums of all time. That first B-52's album is All Killer No Filler, Cosmic Thing is Great, um, Wild, Wild Planet, Planet is Good. Just the fact that all their, it's seemingly all their contemporaries are in and they just haven't been on a ballot. I think it is one where they show up and it's like, they're not in and you give them. I think that the first four things you said about them could all be applied exactly to Devo. And Devo is not in. They have art. They have art rock cred. They have kind of a novelty hit single, as well as like name recognition, as well as people recognize their silhouettes. I'm just like, yeah, I have a distinction though, which is that there are people who only know Whip It, whereas everybody knows at least four B52 songs. Oh, four! I guess you've been in a grocery store. It's a question also of which scene you ally the B-52s with. If you see them as part of that kind of new wavy Devo era, 
then yes, I can see how they're like Devo and they're going to have a hard time. If you see them as an extension of the CBGB era, virtually all those CBGB bands got in on their first ballot. Mm -hmm. Talking mm -hmm. Heads, Blondie, they waltzed Ramones. right in. Yeah. Ramones, instantly, no, no muss, no fuss. And they did play CBGB. They're, they're not a first wave CBGB band, but they kind of came in in that wave by the end of the 70s. I could see that they have a constituency. So I don't know. They're yeah. they're on the bubble, but I, I think I agree with you that they we need to test this premise and find out if they're waltz. Thank right? you. I could be a well, I think oh yeah, I mean, I'm ready to test the premise and I want them waltzing in. I'm just wow, did you're more skeptical. Being the yeah, skeptic, yeah. if yeah. you will. Okay, there we go. No, you're, and you're making true. a legitimate case for why to be skeptical because yeah. you could be right. They could be the they could I be want Devo, them in. I just I'm imagining old timers looking at that and being like, don't be funny. Yeah, I think uh, I think especially with the way the ballots will look now, the B-52s are attractive to an old timer because they're from the 70s. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Speaking of being from the 70s, I think Bad Company's a waltz. I think you're probably right. They're one of the last blues-based classic rock acts. Well, here's my question. Very few of the so-called corporate rock acts have gotten in, but I don't know that Bad Company qualify for that because they kind of straddle those two periods. They they had their first wave of hits in the early 70s. They're almost contemporaries of Deep Purple and yet then they have bigger hits in the foreigner era. Foreigner haven't been on the ballot yet. Sticks will probably never be on the ballot as you guys were all talking last right. week. Right, yeah. So I don't know where you put bad company. That That's what I can't figure out. Yeah, they are, and I, I hesitate to say foundational, but they are reliable classic rock filler. Totally. You know? Mm -hmm. And the reason you're right that they're a waltz is that if the nominating committee isn't too snobby to put them on the ballot, again, this is my obsession. What, what, what's their bias? If they consider them corporate rock, they're like, screw them. They're like foreigner. We don't need to put them on. They're not a priority. If they put them up on the ballot, then I agree with you. They're Done a waltz. Done deal. Done deal. And also, you know, the, I think one thing that tips them in their favor is Paul Rogers is considered to be like one of the the great, great like kind rock, of vocal. rock vocalists. Yeah. He's legitimately good. He is good. And like if the I could see a world where the nominating committee, if they had their druthers, would rather nominate free the band that Paul Rogers was in before Bad Company, but there is not <laughs> there's not as good of a case. Right. If you're just looking at, you know, who gets inducted. And listen, you mentioned Foreigner. I think Foreigner is a waltz too. I think Foreigner gets on the ballot. I think they get in. Yeah. And again, there's a case of a totemic vocalist in Lou Graham. Say what you want about I want to know what love is. You may consider it schlock or a masterpiece. I'm I'm closer to masterpiece, but like mm -hmm. the vocal on that record is friggin' amazing. And then everything he did in the late 70s, the vocals are amazing. And then Mick Jones is a journeyman. He produced mm -hmm. a slew of people. He even produced Billy Joel at one point. I agree with you that they're a waltz, again, if they get on the ballot, if they don't have a Chicago problem mm -hmm. where the nominating committee is just avoiding and avoiding and avoiding them. Is Chicago like, in, though? They're in, right? Yeah, They're, oh, yeah. In, they're, they're and, an and example. They, they're, they're, to me, a prime example yeah. of the nominating committee snobbery and then the minute they're on the ballot, boom, they're swept in. Right yeah, in. no, especially when you have all, you know, it's like you've got a ballot with like outcast on it and then foreigner. So weird. So we know, weird. I mean, we know what I that know, means. I, I know. And I know that I'm voting for outcast, but then I'm not the <laughs> typical yeah. Paul voter. The thing I've learned too, yeah, through this show is that the people that pay attention as much as we do, do not have as much a, a power. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There is a silent majority. I hate to use there that There really phrase. is, unfortunately. Yeah. Yikes. That you all don't talk to. That, that, that make sure Dire Straits gets in on its yep. first ballot. Going down the corporate rock ladder, so to speak. 
<laughs> descending uh, the corporate perhaps, rock ladder. Uh, when you're climbing to the top of the company ladder to quote Boston, mm. I think they could be a waltz. They straddle the line for me because they were not a real band. They were just, no, it was they just were Tom Scholes in his basement. But and Brad Delp is essential to their sound. I yes. mean, that guy oh, was for a sure. great vocalist. But yes, it's Tom Scholes's project. And they, they're one of the pillars of corporate rock, I would say. Absolutely. But, you know, like Bad Company, like Foreigner, they have a dozen songs that get played on classic rock radio all the totally. time. And so I think I put them as a waltz, but. What makes something corporate rock? Well, on one hand, era, late 70s. And Chris, you might be able to speak more with more articulation about this, but the way I think of it is like, it's essentially what punk was responding to, which was slick production, mm. almost s- s- cynical amounts of we're going to be a rich, successful arena rock band. I would refine that slightly insofar as I think punk was responding more to things like Prague, like the first, the early 70s wave, say your Emerson, Lake and Palmer's mm. or even Pink Floyd. And then- the corporate rock guys, basically it's after rock got amalgamated and corporatized at the end of the 60s and especially in the early 70s when Led Zeppelin proved you could sell out enormous arenas. And these are the bands that followed in that wake. You know, Kansas is a good example. Mm-hmm. Sticks is certainly an example. Boston are an example. Um, Journey are often considered an avatar of corporate rock, even though Neil Schoen dates back to Santana and, you know, the first Journey albums came out in something like 73, 74. By the time Journey starts hitting its peak, they are the epitome of corporate rock. So it's like the commodification of rock made and meant for radio and essentially like meant to sell yes. out. Okay. Yes. And I, I, a, num- a name I haven't mentioned thus far that I should is Lee Abrams, who essentially invented the commercial AOR format that kind of then morphed into classic rock and kind of took over everything, where in the late 70s, what was once freeform FM rock radio, where they would play album cuts and the deep cut, eventually it became Bad Company, Foreigner. It became these meat and potatoes bands that were reliable and were aimed directly at that format. So it was no longer freeform. It was very locked down Mm -hmm. what it sounded like. That's what they mean by corporate rock. Uh, And kind of rounding out the classic rock artists, I think of the Guess Who, Jethro Tull. The Guess Who, a band which I freely, much to my dismay, do like a lot. There's some good songs. They have some some good songs for sure. Joe Cocker is one who I think was on the ballot. He would... I would love to see, I honestly, this is just because my best friend from college is a huge Joe Cocker fan and she's also a huge fan of this show. And she just sent me a text the other day about Joe Cocker. She was learning that he wasn't in from our snubs episode. And I would just love to see him get in only for Lindsay. So I hope that it happens. (laughs) We're we're pulling for you, Lindsay. And then there's also, I think, this is controversial. I think the monkeys would be a waltz. Oh, I mean, there's been very few acts that have, caused as much consternation among the fan base as people who think the monkeys should be in. And I know Jan Wenner thinks the monkeys are like an over my dead body prospect for mm-hmm. getting into the rock hall. But again, Jan is long out of the central cabal. Maybe, I don't know, maybe John Landau feels the same way, but there's an old boomer ethic about the monkeys that they are prefab by definition and hence mm-hmm. they do not deserve to be in the rock hall. And of course, the counter example, which is a very poptimist argument, is like, you know, they were artists, they shaped their music, 
Eventually they took over production of their music to some extent. Mike Nesmith was kind of a genius, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I've heard both sides of that argument. So I don't know if there are waltz, but they are, you, you have to test that premise. I, I you know, I'm curious. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. And then also I, another one, and it's someone who came up last week that we all, and that's including Chris, I know rolled our eyes, but I think Jimmy Buffett would be a waltz. Why? Yeah, and I hope, I hope that premise is never, May that ever, day ever never tested. come. No. Uh-huh. But I, I do. Just and Joe I and I Kuzala, would not want you know you, I don't want it, mm-mm. but I am being realistic, and that's why we need to make sure it never happens. We have to we have to break out the phones and we have to we have to the opposite of get out the vote, keep in the vote. But I just think Jimmy Buffett is so famous, has We're the name recognition. To, we are the masters of voter suppression, like that's us. Yes, yes. Wow. Well, the good news is the way this this vote gets suppressed is that. This is where nomcom snobbery is a mm-hmm. good thing. I can't Hallelujah. think exactly. Exactly. I can't think of too many people we know are on the nomcom. Not just my critic acquaintances, but like even the artists. I can't see the artists advocating for Jimmy Buffett. Now yeah. he's not on the nominating committee, but he's a very influential figure, and he is the manager of Jimmy Buffett, and his name is Irving Azoff. That's true. I'm just saying he has a is way. Is Irving going to shoot his wad on Jimmy Buffett? I don't. I don't know. Or Irving is is tenacious and he will. I know. You know, go saying. the last mile for his acts. But Irving. now, now here's someone who I think would be a waltz. I think they might also be a little redundant, and they might also be someone who the snobbery of the committee would keep out. But that's Phil Collins. I wonder about Phil Collins. I think he. I think he's a waltz if he ever gets on the ballot. But I feel like. Genesis is in and they feel like they've checked that box. I feel about Genesis covered that. Yeah. Right. Right. I feel about Phil Collins the way I feel about Dr. Dre and WA are in. Hence we're done with Dr. Dre. I just think when they start doing producers, when, when we start doing, I I know that at some point today we'll deal with the rap stuff, but like, Mm -hmm. I think when they start doing producers, if you do not put Dre in under like musical excellence, you have done a disservice to rap music period and yet my prediction is that they unless they really start broadening the sidemen and the producers and so forth i think they think they checked the box with trey much the way they thought they had checked the box with both tina turner and carol king for years and it Mm -hmm. took more than two decades a piece yeah. for them to get another bite at the apple well, as they richly deserve. Of all the double nominees that we've discussed today, my favorite of all of them would be Phil Collins. Like, I think he would have Agreed. the easiest time being double and uh, has a, has a strong getting case. a second. Yeah, I think he has the strongest case. And I do think that if he were nominated solo, he would go in. I have, I think an, people I have another waltz. I have another waltz that would be a double inductee and that's Diana Ross. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And frankly, I think there's a stronger case there. The solo career is long and rich and its own thing, innovative in various ways. What she did with Chic, what she did with Love Hangover, God, what she did with her very first solo single, Ain't No Mountain High Enough. I mean, the way Ashford and Simpson turned that song inside out for her and the way she sang it. I mean, yeah, there's a very strong case for no doubt in my mind. And another diva who we mentioned last week who would be a waltz is Cher. Oh, God. Yeah. Cher is an easy waltz satisfies every type of voter i think is just so iconic spans the decades and is having a lot of significance currently like is as also mm-hmm. conti- continues to be culturally significant today mm-hmm. which i think is very helpful for her yeah every everybody right. of all ages knows chair someone who does not really come up in the conversation very often 
who I think would be a waltz is Carly Simon. Yeah, it's weird to me that Carly Simon doesn't have more advocates. <laughs> a funny thing I did um, a couple of years ago after I read Sticky Fingers. I know that Joe, you're obsessed with that book as I kind I of read it too. Kristen read it as I well. I listened yeah. to it. I listened did to you? it. Yes. And now okay, so I- did either one of you then do what I then did? Definitely no. To, <laughs> no I, yeah, probably not. I watched Perfect, the John Travolta movie, because I had to see what this Fakakta movie that Jan Wenner was instrumental right. in making and actually acts in as Whoa. basically a Jan Wenner Monkey figure where Rolling Stone exists in the world of the film, but he is he has some other name and he's not Jan Wenner and he's acting in the film. I had to see that. And by the way, the reason I'm bringing it up right now is because Carly Simon has a cameo in that movie. Like she's a friend of Jan. So like why Carly Simon has not had enough of the industry clout when James Taylor got waltzed in, for example. Strange, right? It is. It's a little strange. Honestly, I would have thought she'd have been on the ballot a long time she, ago. She, for some reason, didn't stay in the mix when people talk about yes. any singer songwriter of that era. She, for some reason, dropped off the mix, even though she was so popular. So popular and, and at the center of that at that movement. That's a very astute point. I agree. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, we've got all of, we've, especially like female singer songwriters from the 60s and 70s. We are not afraid to put those in white. Women, yeah, we yeah. love them. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll put them in. You know, it's interesting that she's not. She's so even rarely in the conversation. She might well be a waltz, but it's I weird so. to me that she hasn't even been bandied about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, and it's not like she was uh, a huge dick to people at Rolling Stone. No, no, she's clearly pals. Unless she and Jan had a falling out that I don't know about. Like, uh, yeah, I got to imagine that there's a good relationship. But uh, apparently someone who was a dick to Rolling Stone was Warren Zevon, who I think would be a waltz as well. I think he would be an easy waltz. I agree. He's just well-loved, especially among the music community. We brought up Joy Division New Order already, who I want to say because of the cure of the Depeche Mode getting in that Joy Division New Order would be a waltz, but they're probably on the line there. And then I'm curious to know someone who hasn't, I'm surprised hasn't been on the ballot yet. I thought maybe could have been as soon as he was eligible makes me think could be a waltz is Beck. I am wondering what's taking so long with Beck. Cause I feel like Beck is every boomer's favorite Gen Xer. So like, why has he not been on the ballot? Yet? And what else do you want? There's really no argument. He has teeny bits of hip hop cred early on. Then he's got folk cred. He crosses so many lines and he's been eligible for three or four years now. Right. I know. Of the, the people that are getting in right now too. It's just like of the nineties, he's got it all. Beck, I think, yeah, is an absolute waltz. But I also could see it, not to say that they're the same, but I do think I could see it almost going a Radiohead type of way mm-hmm. where, where it's it takes like a try or two. It yeah. takes a try or two. People think he's going to get in no matter what, or they're just like, oh, yeah, Beck, he's great. And then they don't vote for him. They pull a stupid Benatar like I did. And yeah, they, don't they, vote for they him. pull a stupid Benatar. They pull a Melanfi, as we're talking, we're calling it now. Oh, uh, killing me, killing me. But Even I know I deserve that. Well, and you know, I honestly <laughs> wouldn't begrudge someone to not vote for one single white man getting in. Like, I won't be upset if Beck doesn't just waltz right in. I think he should. And I'll be surprised if he don't, if he, if he don't, <laughs> if he don't, <laughs> if he don't, but, um, but I, I would not be upset by that. I think that's almost like seems fitting. I yeah. hope he gets in. I th- I know he'll get in. He will. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, he's that's like such conclusion. an, uh, yeah. And Your radio had analogy is a good one because that's how yeah. I feel. 
And that's yeah. why I didn't vote for Radiohead. Now we're getting to some that I'm, I don't know exactly if they're, I'm putting them in wood, but they could be waltz. You know, we've, we've been going kind of long here. So if you guys want to give me, if you think it's a, if it's a wood or a waltz or a wishful, I suppose, but uh, someone who I've been bringing up, uh, Barry White. Barry White, man. Yeah. What the hell? I think that's a wood. I mean, we've said this before too. I just think again, he, the ubiquity of those nineties commercials using his music and it might just be my age that because of the age yeah. that I And you were younger than the typical voter. Yeah. So that might not be a, a bias. It might not be as biased as I am. Yeah. Harry Nielsen feels like a waltz to me, but I don't uh, know. I feel like he would have been a waltz 15 to 20 years ago. Yeah, and I agree. more like a wood. Mm-hmm. he's such an interesting figure, right? Cause he's got all that beetle cred. Mm-hmm. He had such potential and he kind of blew it. He blew out his voice. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know what you do with Harry Nielsen. What, when he was great, he was very, very great. Yeah. It, was, it was a brief, great window and a lot of, chum all around the side. I could also you know? see there being some kind of, I think it's just like, if he never gets in, they could just throw him in eventually. Like yeah. I could see that being just a straight to DVD. <laughs> <laughs> I like that straight to DVD. What about um, Roberta Flack? Roberta Flack is somebody I'm a little outraged has not been on the ballot yet. It mm-hmm. mystifies me that they haven't even tried her. She could be a wood, right? Because I mean, in a world where Dion does not get in, on her first ballot, which to me should have been a gimme. Right. It's like you wonder if there is yeah. like, is she not rock enough for people? Because, yeah, I don't know, see she's it. Sophisticated and like I am. The- I am sorely tempted, frankly, to do a hip parade episode about Roberta Flack because she was massive and she has forgotten how massive she was. Yeah, like, she and she has some distinctions hit wise. You know, what she had three number one singles in three consecutive years. Three consecutive years. She won, I believe, the record R&D of the year vocal prize. Twice. Or she won record of the year twice. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. About. Yes. No, people forget how flipping huge. Really, yeah, re- crucial. Really huge, Roberta Flack. Like, first take was a number one album, and 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 yet never been on the ballot, which outrages me, frankly. I think she should be on. No doubt. Ooh. I've wondered about them. I think they're a wood mm-hmm. in a world where Dave Matthews, surprisingly, did not waltz right in. I'm putting that, even though they're different categories, one's a jam band, one's a ska rock band, they came up at the same moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think they're they are the same second wave alternative, or I guess third wave, technically. I mean, it was the third wave of ska. Of ska famously. Um, <laughs> Certainly the third wave of ska. And so, the feminism, too. <laughs> she is clearly well-liked, Gwen Stefani. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if they're enough of a priority. You know I, I don't mean? think so either. I think they'll get in eventually, but I don't see them getting anytime soon. There anytime also may soon. not be enough albums. Certainly, I mean, look, the Sex Pistols are in, Bill Haley and the Comets are in. You don't need that many albums necessarily, but you've got this one massive totemic album, a couple of well, you know, albums. I would say I would say Tragic Kingdom and Rocksteady are kind of Rocksteady and, is probably my favorite album by them. I like yeah. that a lot, but mm-hmm. you know, you know, there was a time when when the the first time they did that 500 albums list, they were both on there. So no kidding. Interesting. I don't know what that, what that tells you. Here's an interesting one. Motley Crue. I don't see them getting on the ballot anytime soon. I mean, I feel like they are on the bubble between the deaf leopard wing of hair metal and the poison poison wing of Mm -hmm. hair metal. They're like the most legit of their type, but I'm like, don't like what that means. Yeah. Right. Uh, they're For a very me, legit no. sunset strip band. Yeah. Is this thing in the gutter edible? That's like what you're saying. Like yeah. is this <laughs> Oasis. Yeah. 
I think they'll be in eventually. I And I think that they almost might waltz. They have the thing that people in especially like rock institutions love, which is they're total assholes and like unrepentant assholes. Mm-hmm. Like Gene Simmons. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually don't think they would waltz right in, but I do think that they could walk in. I don't think it's an absolute slam dunk, but I could see it. Like, I just think they get on the ballot and I just see the way that rock institutions laud the type of band that they are. And it just feels right. Now, do you guys think Outkast is a, is a waltz? I fucking wish, man. I think they should be a waltz. I, I, I can't tell, but when you guys were talking about them last week and talking about just how not only critically acclaimed, but popular they were, I feel like they should be a waltz. I think they're a gimme for the ballot. Clearly, they're already eligible. I, I put mm-hmm. them in the same category as Beck. Like, why haven't we tried them yet? And I think they're close to a waltz because the fact that one half of the group effectively did a partial rock jazz album, he basically like threw a bone to the average rock voter <laughs> on that on that double album. I know. He, he wrote a song that's influenced by the Smiths for crying out loud. Like this should be a gimme. Commodores. Commodores, they're a wood, I think. I think they're a wood too. And like listen, my guys, I I cool in the gang. I I think they're a wood as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what pushes them up a little bit is the fact that this is the way to get Lionel Richie in. This is like our Phil Collins discussion. Right, right, we're... right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, you're like, oh, let's get Lionel at the ceremony. I think the hall would like the Commodores to get in, to get a reunion, to get yep. Lionel there. And yet they've never been on the ballot. Weirdly. They've never been on the ballot. And the, the other artists that haven't been on the ballot, that I, I would put in the wood category. I would put In Excess in there. Mm-hmm. I would put LaBelle, Luther Vandross. Cheryl mm-hmm. Crow, although Cheryl mm-hmm. Crow is well-liked and could potentially yeah. be a waltz. I think Cheryl Crow could surprise us. She could be more of a waltz than we think. I think Cheryl Crow is more of a waltz than Carly Simon. Yes, I think you may be right. Yeah, interesting. I think I agree with you. Wow. I don't know. I Weird. don't know. I might be wrong, but I just, you know, it felt like a really punchy thing to say. <laughs> In the late 90s, I was dating somebody who was really, really into Cheryl Crow. As a result, I saw Cheryl Crow live several times, and I have never seen a more packed VIP section than I did at Cheryl Crow. Interesting. Like Bruce and Patty were in the VIP section uh-huh. watching Cheryl Crow. Yeah. You know, that level of VIP. And that's that's good insider info for if they would, if mm-hmm. she would waltz, because yeah, she's loved with And Tom industry. Hanks and Rita Wilson, I don't know if they're rock hall voters, but like, I think Tom that is was for like, sure. Tom's around. This level of celebrity is into Cheryl yeah. Crow. Okay. You'd be surprised. Yeah. And then she dated Eric Clapton. I mean, you know. It goes mm-hmm. on and on. Smashing Pumpkins. I think that they'll get in right away. I'm not so sure because Billy Corgan, despite he probably wants it secretly in a way that he would yeah. never admit publicly because mm-hmm. that guy wanted to be a classic rocker from the moment he started recording. But he's kind of the anti Sheryl Crow in the sense of uh, he is not he's well so liked. not well liked and he has, yeah. he's made so many enemies. I don't know. I don't know if he gets on the ballot. That's that's the issue. He will get on the ballot when you are hitting the big bands of the 90s you were going to have to get to smashing pumpkins soon i think that's gonna it's gonna be in a Except few years it took a couple of years for them to get to Soundgarden, which surprised me and they that's, didn't even put yeah, Soundgarden on the ballot the year that chris cornell died like that's they waited true. a year or two after chris cornell died to put them on the ballot that's a, so, that's a good point what do you guys think about snoop dogg i was wondering when i was thinking about all the rappers you know that were being celebrated at the the ceremony that I was wondering why they haven't tried Snoop yet, because he's been eligible for three or four I years now. I think that Snoop yeah. will uh, crip walk in. 
All right. If you will. Thank okay. you. I uh, I just did. But he's, I did. He, of rappers who have huge name recognition, he's among them and has had a, a ton of hits well, spanning he, decades. He's, he's also so popular. Do. He's just like been, you know, he did a fucking TV show with Martha Stewart. Right. Yeah. He is now a cultural darling. Yeah. He's the share figure of hip hop. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we can say any hip hop artists are waltzes, though. Just after what we've been what we through. Saw with LL. Yeah, I just, I don't know. LL should have been a gimme. It, it should not have taken that long to get LL. In. And I, w- I would put Wu Tang Clan as a, as a wood, not a waltz, though. I it's agree like with that. If the conditions are right for them, it, it could be good, but it's, I feel not soon. Snoop is a little easier just in terms of Absolutely. iconography. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, Snoop to me Wu-Tang. is the most waltz of all of those that you've yeah. named. It's, it's Snoop, yeah. it's Wu Tang, Tribe, Dela. That's yeah. where I put it. Oh, oh, no, no. Actually, probably I put Snoop and then I put Outcast. Oh, then, interesting. Yeah. I think Outcast has the edge over Snoop just I as I'm with Joe on that artist. one. It's a close call. I just, I'm thinking about cultural ubiquity. But you can dismiss Snoop the way they maybe dismissed LL. Whereas mm-hmm. you can't do that with Outcast. They are not really doing anything beyond just making like mind-blowing music. Whereas Snoop is hosting Joker's Wild and like doing commercials for... <laughs> you know, yeah. life lifesavers or whatever. Let's not forget Outcast got one of the only two rap albums ever to win the album of the year Grammy. Mm-hmm. There is respect on their name. Oh my um, God, Lauren Hill. Becomes eligible next year, I think. Next year. Okay. I'm like, Soon. The Fugees, yeah. I think, are just about eligible. Now. They're eligible. Also... They're eligible. What about TLC? Ooh, on the TLC. So not, a, <laughs> I, exactly. not a waltz, especially not a waltz. because... You know, there's so many people within their category who come before them, but they were so yeah. massive and they They're were so, so good. good and so big. And I what I want them in. The thought of that is like exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a world where Mary J. Blige is going to take at least two or three tries before she inevitably gets in, I yeah. think TLC are a wood at best. Yeah. Well, because we got to get Shaka in. I mean, I talk mm-hmm, about it's mm-hmm, like we mm-hmm. got to get Shaka in before yeah. we can get Mary J. Blige in. Like they are a one to one. It is a straight river from Shaka to Mary. Speaking of river, what do we think about Weezer? Oh, they'll get in. Have they ever been nominated? No, Weezer has never been nominated. They are, they're going to they'll they've only be been eligible a couple of years. I they think. Were, became eligible in 2020. So, yeah, but of artists and of bands, that are still like kind of relevant from that time. Kind of Weezer and Foo Fighters kind of stand alone. Maybe the Red Hot Chili Peppers, but like of groups that like put out music that then immediately, almost without question, gets played on alt rock radio. Weezer's one of them. Yep. You're right. And yet I, I'm hesitating. I, I don't consider them a gimme either for the ballot or for the vote. I can't explain why. They they've been around and yet I don't know. Their love, their fandom is still young, weirdly. It's mm-hmm. kind of like they're they're like Matthew McConaughey and uh, you know Days and <laughs> Days Confused. Confused. <laughs> I get I get older and they the fans stay the same age. Yeah. Like they get a new wave of young fans. Like the reason they recorded Africa a couple of years ago was because something like a 13-year-old fan implored Rivers Cuomo every to, day on Twitter. To, every day on Twitter to record. That's the kind of fan that Weezer has. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I just did a whole episode of Hit Parade in October about the history of emo and the weird place 
the weird slot that Weezer has in the history of emo. Ooh. And I, I couldn't figure out what made them emo then. I, I mean, I knew, but and it was I, the and glasses. I can't figure out <laughs> it's the glasses, right? I think you're right. But and, and for the same reason, I can't figure out if they have a constituency at the Rock Hall. I just can't. It's hard. It's it's yeah. It's it, that's why I put them in the wood. Last person I put in the wood is Alanis. Mm. Easy Wood, and I, she's almost on the bubble of Waltz for me. I feel like I don't know. I feel like she was a big enough figure that you could see her getting in pretty handily. Again, it's really hard for me with these bands from the 90s because of when I grew up. It's like, yeah, I'm like Alanis. She's like really important. She was very important to me and that means she's important to everybody. (laughs) Wow, I'm having the boomer trouble now. Um, (laughs) She's almost a better uh, comparison for the Foo Fighters than... um, than Weezer are because, you know, Taylor Hawkins played with her. She kind of comes up at that same Foo Fighters moment of radio. Well, and I'm thinking she's of not her a waltz, versus but she's like a Sheryl Crow. Do you yeah, know what I Cheryl mean? Or Crow. That's, that's like, another that's, good parallel. To me, Alanis gets in before Sheryl Crow. And yet thinking of the hall, Cheryl. And I like Sheryl, Cheryl Crow. Crow this is some, I am she someone does. who likes Cheryl Crow. Well, Cheryl but, had, had a longevity. I think the, yeah. the big issue with Alanis is, is the burnout. Mm-hmm. It really peaked with Jagged Little Pill. And then there were some hits after that, but then it seemed like she right. was gone pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just run through these quickly. There's really no discussion, I think, to be had with the wishful category. It's a lot of artists that maybe didn't have the commercial success as a lot of the artists in the hall, but deserve to be in there. For a number of reasons, it's artists like A Tribe Called Quest, Big Star, Black Flag, Captain Beefheart, De La Soul, Liz Fair, Nas, Nick Drake, Pavement, Pixies, PJ Harvey, Salt and Peppa, Sonic Youth, uh, Queen Latifah. Salt and Peppa is probably one that sticks out the mm-hmm. most because they had big hits. Salt Peppa does, yeah. But I, yeah. I wonder. And they're, they're, they're seminal in a certain way. There may be more of a would, but I, I do think about. I don't know if they have the respect on their name that they deserve. Mm. Another one that sticks out for me is Pixies. I'm a little mystified that we haven't tried them on the ballot yet, if, especially if the replacement's got a shot. I don't know why the Pixies. Yeah, because the Pixies occupy an interesting space where they didn't have big hits, but those some of those songs have seeped their way into the culture decades later through movies. They're the TV. Velvet Underground of their way. Everybody who heard them formed a band. In effect, Kurt Cobain openly admitted that Smells Like Teen Spirit is that Pixies ripoff. That was the name of Smells Like Teen Spirit before the song had a name. Right. So, yeah, quiet Before loud. Kathleen Hanna wrote on his wall. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so anyway, that's the wishful category. I don't know if there's anybody, we, we covered a lot of artists. We've probably covered more than 100 artists on this episode. Uh, but we got our waltzes, our, our woods, our wishfuls, and then, you know, the, all the people who've been nominated before. Chris, does this satisfy as a companion piece to last week's episode? It absolutely does. I, I did not think up uh, Waltz, Wood, and Wishful, but I like it as a framework. It's uh, I may use it going forward because it's, it's, it's a good, clean way to think about this. Well, thank you so much for that. And thank you for joining us. I would like to give you the opportunity, of course, to plug away your, your social media and also Hit Parade. Sure. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Seema Lanfey. And, you know, Hit Parade is available in all your podcatchers. Our November episode about Cindy Lauper, The Bangles, and Amy Mann just came out a few days ago. Uh, and uh, we'll have another episode coming out in uh, mid-December. And if you join Slate Plus, you can listen to our bonus episodes like The Bridge, where we ramble on about fun stuff like what we just did here. So that's my pitch. 
Excellent. Well, it's, it's an incredible podcast and I would be shocked if anybody listened to ours and was not familiar with yours, but if that is the case, make sure to check out hit parade. And of course our listeners know they can follow us at rock hall pod on Twitter and Instagram. Rock hall pod at gmail.com is the email. If you want Kristen to see that you need to designate that somewhere in your message. Otherwise she doesn't want to see it. I'm not going to forward it to her. Subscribe to us on Apple podcasts, rate and review us five stars only. Of course, uh, anything less would be cruel. And on this Thanksgiving season yeah we, we need it would be mean so much for we say thanks to you for the reviews if you, you say can't thanks see to us joe's for the podcast. face but the sincerity in his eyes he <laughs> he means it please i mean it so bad can you uh, give can you just give five stars we say Why thanks you if you can if you can give and let's for it's a thanksgiving episode and of course as always we give thanks to the pillars of who cares about the rock hall. I'm talking about Mike Lloyd for the logo. I'm talking about Yusu Kim for the music. I'm thanking future rock legends for okay. especially, especially an episode like this where I've got a lot of data to comb through. Makes it so easy to just go on futurerocklegends.com and see everything you need to know. Literally the only place that documents this stuff. So thank you to future rock legends now and as always. And thank you to Pantheon Podcast for hosting us. I'm Joe Quazala. I'm Kristen Studdard. And who cares about the Rock Hall? It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.